Good Noise, the second edition. Stay by C. Denby Swanson, featuring Jane Bradley, with sound designed by Robert Siefkin. Some backstory for those just hearing us. Stay is an ode to parenting in tough times. The story behind how the play came to be is a story of artistic harmony. We'll try to give you both. We're known by some for Shakespeare in the Parking Lot and Bryant Park Shakespeare, but the drilling company began with new plays inspired by the late great James Houghton and the Signature Theater. They invited one playwright, did many of that playwright's plays. The drilling company invited many playwrights to create one project around one theme or idea. Fast forward to 2020, the pandemic, the shutdown. We reached out to playwrights with a new theme. Even though we had no idea of exactly how or what form the plays would be ultimately revealed. The theme was time. In the early days of the shutdown, with the casualties of the pandemic, it seemed everyone was appreciating time differently. C. Denby Swanson was one of the playwrights we reached out to because she's been a part of our work for 21 years. Most recently, Gabriel, the story of female friendship and choice produced in 2018 and brought back for our 2020 Zoom cast. But unforgettably, the Norwegians, her gangster comedy that ran for 168 performances in our off-Broadway run, which up until the pandemic was still enjoying productions across America. Atomic Farm Girl was another one of the full lengths that we were happy to produce and more than 10 short plays for drilling company short play projects. Most have been published. What follows is a treat, a conversation with her. It's arranged in two parts, before and after, stay, which features Jane Bradley. Memorably, our Hamlet in the parking lot and in Bryant Park and many other roles. Jane also originated the role of Susan in Gabriel. Robert Siefkin turns in our sound design as he did for many of our earliest productions. So it's great to have him back. Here's a list, an incomplete one, of places C. Denby Swanson's work has lived or is living in the case of publishers and some organizations that have had the good sense to honor her with awards or grants. The Lark, the Guthrie Theater, the Alley Theater, the Women's Project, Susan Smith Blackburn Award, New York Innovative Theater Awards, the Dramatist Guild, Dramatics Magazine, William Inge Playwright, Salvage Vanguard, Icicle Creek Theater Festival, Earth Matters Theater Festival, Zach Theater, NEATCG, Smith and Krause, Educational Theater Lab, Play Scripts Incorporated, the Jerome Foundation, the McKnight Foundation, and there are more. And now, here's Colin Denby Swanson on stay. Welcome, Jane Denby you. Swanson. Yeah. Thanks. How did stay happen for you? Yeah, um, stay is a meditation really on um, parenting and connection in an unconnected world in a pandemic world where we can't see each other, where we're sort of isolated, um, staying at home inside a lot. So it's a, um, it's a meditative practice where we get to hopefully take a walk. 
that's the that's the goal right right that was the big that was the big thing right during uh during covid right yes. it was like you you can't do this you can't do this but one of the things you can do is take a walk you can take a walk so so and the so characters happen yeah so we were talking about theater happening in different ways and i you know we we have to use the technology that we have so um the the play can happen zoom or radio or webcast or other many whatever technological uh format that we have but it it should be a, a experienced by the audience in motion hopefully that's the goal because we're outside yeah you're very you're very specific in some of the stage directions about the actual walk that the character is taking mm-hmm. the narrator and uh and that they actually change directions uh you're purposeful in the play in in, in mentioning that yeah yeah uh, go ahead elaborate on why you why you made that the change of direction uh choice it's interesting yeah i the, you know the the thing about taking a walk is that it's is the play is um influenced by a Lisa Demore play called Slabber that she had here in Austin decades ago. It was a really lovely play. We got a, we met at a theater. We had, a, we all got a cassette tape. Each car of people had a cassette tape. And then we got in our cars and we didn't know where the play was going to be performed until we had um, the cassette tape playing. It was the time when we had cassette tapes. Right, um, that's it, no, no, that's it. And that that's, gave that's... us directions, right, of where, where we had to go and that was where the play was. And so I was thinking about that and um, the unexpectedness wow. of um, being in different cities, right, or different towns and being outside taking a walk. And then you really, you can't plan as an audience in this piece, hopefully, is that you right. have to be sort of available to shift as we all are in parenting as well. <clears throat> and that was right. that was the physical incarnation of the text is you, you don't get to plan where you're going. <laughs> Everybody winds up going to Poland. They expect, well, they expect to be going, you know, somewhere else. You think you're going to Italy. Your ticket is to Italy. You get on the plane, you think you're on your way to Rome. Big trip, Rome. Ancient place, Colosseum, Pantheon, St. Peter's Basilica, the Vatican. You've always wanted to go. It's very meaningful to you. An idea you've thought of. One of the world's most romantic cities. Culture, heritage. You've studied the travel books, developed an itinerary booked a hotel there will be so much gelato and such good wine and art and history it's a place right it's got charisma and you arrive you're groggy it was a long flight but you are not in rome this is some other country Poland. You're in Poland. Warsaw, maybe? Which is... Pierogies are delicious. They're... It's just not the trip you thought you were going to be on. That's what having kids is like. Parenting. That's what it's like. You thought you just needed to plan. 
Most people don't, but you do. You pack the right clothes, present your passport, get the stamp, disembark, slide through customs. You thought it would be easy. You thought you could just... But you can't. You don't. You are not prepared. Not for this kid. Not this kid. Still, you must go forward. There are people behind you. You're holding up the line. There are other people with other children, none of whom... You just have to go forward. So, you go forward. Parenting fucks with your sense of direction and your sense of propulsion. Are you moving forward? Are you moving in any direction at all? Is the place you're supposed to get to ahead of you? Can you even get there from here? We go. We all go. We just go in a direction. We think it's chosen. It's not. We have no power here. We think it's natural, instinctive. It's not. We learn on the way. Or try to. Travel does that thing where it messes with your sense of time and observation. The basic things you think you know about your body. When you're traveling, you can no longer tell when you're supposed to be hungry. And then you don't remember how to solve problems like an empty belly. What looks good to eat? It all just looks different. You eat a lot of weird mayonnaise salads before you figure out how to tell. You look at your kid one day and you're like, is he supposed to be that floppy? No, probably not, right? He's not supposed to... His body... He's flesh, not melted vinyl. Is this the street you're supposed to be on? Wait. Stop. You don't recognize it, of course, because you've never been here before. New city confusion, that's understandable, but this isn't even the city you thought you were headed to. This isn't the climate. This isn't the language. Italians yell. You wait for everything to get loud and boisterous, and it doesn't. They use Latin letters in Poland, but with diacritical marks that make your eyes cross. A strange kind of W. What you hear is words that sound like a series of brush strokes punctuated with vowels, clustered around an underground jazz bar way down beneath the cobblestone street. So, you change directions. You make a lot of calls in the fucking dark. Because you got off the plane, and it's not the time you expected. It's not even day anymore. It's not even today. It's like tomorrow or yesterday or something. It's like everything has been moved just one inch to the left. So you're there fumbling to make a call with one of those phone cards, because we're still using the metaphor of being in Europe, like Europe of the 90s when there were still public phones and you bought phone cards with a value on them, gift cards for calling people. You didn't just insert a coin. Like, travel is disorienting enough, even if you wind up where you think you're going. And now, what is food supposed to look like? What does tired do to you here? How do you get home? Can you drink the water? Is beer cheaper? Things you take for granted. What are the basic social systems? Like grocery stores and phones and buses. You've had nightmares about finding and buying a bus ticket almost as terrifying as the ones where all your teeth fall out. But that's where you find yourself as a parent. This place. What 
is this place? Look around. Are you alone? No. In that you live on a planet with 8 billion other people. In a country with 328 million other people. In a city with, what, thousands? Hundreds of thousands? Millions? You live in a neighborhood, on a street. Someone delivers your mail. Someone else is always shopping at your grocery store, even if you are not there. People are inside the buildings on your left and right, even if no one pops their head outside as you walk past, clicking through their most recent online purchase. And yet you know that feeling, if you've ever traveled by yourself, of being alone, on your own, isolated. You are replicating that feeling by being on this journey now, with your headphones in your ears, locking out the outside world. Change direction. Your grandmother gave birth to 11 children, popped one out every 18 to 24 months. She skipped her college graduation ceremony to get married, and nine months later had her first child, hung her diploma in the bathroom so that she could see it at least once a day. Eventually, after the fifth or sixth or seventh child, she started locking herself in there for 45 minutes at a stretch. She'd stare at the framed document on the wall. Her hideaway was secure until the older kids figured out that the bathroom closet's back wall was separated by only a piece of cheap-ass particle board from the next room, and they just tore it apart in an effort to get to her. And she was overrun. Will you ever be by yourself again? Your child cries a lot, screams a lot, little things, a cup spills, a spoon drops. The disappointment and distress wage war in his brain. He overturns chairs in preschool, punches other kids for not knowing the exact way to line up, then flings himself under a desk and howls like a coyote. His teacher says she just doesn't have time for it. You don't either. What if you just have to make lunch for this little motherfucker? What if that's your obligation? What if it's not a medical thing, a diagnosable issue? What if he's just a dick? Still, you'd have to make his lunch. You will have to make his lunch for a long ass time. Your child's pediatrician sets you up with support groups, online trainings. You join some other parents on Facebook. Only a small number of people know this experience know where you are, and for some fucked up, unknowable reason, they mostly seem to be in Australia? What is wrong in Australia that so many of their parents have children going through this thing? Or maybe that's the wrong question. What is right in Australia that so many of their parents know their children are going through this thing and are reaching out? Maybe it's the vastness of their continent? The distance between people? They have to be purposeful? Does your child have muscle weakness also? Does your child have a heart thing? Does anyone know if my child will always leak poop? Is this pediatric schizophrenia? Oh, please, God, make it not be that. Is it that? I think it's that. Coming back from a long drive, you stop at a Dairy Queen in some rural town. You take your kid to the bathroom, the ladies' room, which is tiled in white from floor to ceiling, metal stall doors, you're pretty sure your kid has shat himself. You go in a stall. All the toilets are automatic flush, and you can't cover the sensor light at the same time that you're helping him undress, so it just keeps flushing over and over. A thunderous, wicked ceramic Niagara Falls, 
ricocheting off the hard tile and metal surfaces. It assaults his ears until he cowers in a corner, drenched in shit, and now pee, screaming and screaming and screaming and screaming. You have to throw him over your shoulder, bolt past the ladies who are waiting along one wall with their little girls, aghast that city folk like you let their children behave like this in public. They'd have already paddled him real good if he was theirs, and you run out to the parking lot to your car. It shouldn't be this hard. And it is. And it isn't even the hard part yet. And you feel very alone. Other parents celebrate staying home, relish their community pool, say, we've had a hard time too, it's hard for everyone. They do crafts together, third week in quarantine. Fucking assholes, right? Your child has never done a craft. Your child threw paint the last time you tried to do a craft. Some kind of popsicle stick craft that you downloaded. How to make a spaceship or a dinosaur or some shit. Parenting is just a series of Pinterest fails and bad feelings. Your child wouldn't do the craft. Couldn't do the craft. You bought the materials anyway, because... Fuck, you just hope that one day he'll be able to do something you understand. Instead, he threw the paint and then chased the cat down the hall, screaming like he was in Game of Thrones, holding the popsicle sticks between his fingers like you carry your car keys at night. Once the cat is cornered, what will he do? You drop everything and run. Run. Run now. You are used to dropping everything for this child. Dropping, spilling, leaving, just leaving things behind. You leave the wet paint, also the glue that spilled naturally, Paint and glue containers are made to spill, it's their primary function. It's not really about the construction or decoration, it's not really crafts or art or sensory experiences, it's about the metaphor that life is messy and sticky and useless and expensive and will ruin everything. And you chase after your kid, who is going all braveheart down the hallway, yelling, and still you are too late. You hear a loud screech from the cat. You yell for your child to stop, stop. Whatever he is doing, just fucking stop, stop. He's standing by the bed when you get to him, blank-faced, pale and small and scared. No longer a warrior, frail, the way he is when the juice turns off. Not the child you had tried to manifest, not the child you planned for, not the child you had hoped to craft together even, though you tried. The therapists and specialists, the glue and paint of the medical world. He is not Rome. He is Poland. He is Poland after the Germans and the Soviets. Drained, decimated, driven over. A gray carbon sheen on all its drab communist architecture. He's scared that you yelled. He's scared that you chased him. He's scared because the cat hissed from under the bed. Your child sobs, sobs, racking full-body sobs because he can't remember anymore why he was running and yelling. And he can't remember how he got that scratch on his arm. He just remembers the blackness across his eyes like a bandana. And he shows you with his fingers on his temple that he has a headache. And you can't know if the headache is some new monster lurking beneath the surface of his skull. So you literally have to post a question to someone in Australia which they won't answer until tomorrow. Some new monster besides biology, neurology, genetics, chemistry, the legacy of his other parent, the stressors of low prenatal nutrition and generational trauma and abandonment and... 
and he's still so little, still so young. And then you, your own monster qualities, the nurture part of this lacking sometimes because, because you assumed you'd be somewhere else. Parenting would be somewhere else, a nicer place, picturesque, with ice cream, a historical walking path, pretty churches. Your child can never live in that country. You are his tour guide for his country, his country where you now walk. You are his navigator. Where are you on his map? Have we actually moved anywhere? Or are we still stuck getting shoes on this morning? Stuck on the first step of many for the day? Each step has multiple parts. Each part is met with opposition. Will we ever be able to leave the house again? We have places we need to be. Or want, want to be somewhere else. A store, a store would be good. Or just a drive, just forwardness some sense of forwardness. What are your standards anymore? What is even possible? You used to be a person who did, went. There's no room for self-pity anymore. There's room for a little self-pity. There's room for a lot of self-pity. You are inside your own experience. You can feel what you need to feel. You aren't where you wanted to go. The place that you planned for and the place where you are are so far apart. So much energy spent, so much misdirection. Where are you right now? You look around. There it is, far behind you, the place where you started. No passageway back. It is sealed off. You can see where you came from, but you cannot return. And even if you could, there are sharks in that water. So go back that way if you want. It'll at least be over quickly. Kidding. There are no sharks. Other than the internal sharks, you know. The failures. The sharp fins and bloodthirst of your own self-criticism. Failing at forgiving yourself. And it's going to take vigorous forgiveness each day. This isn't where you wanted to be. Full of self-pity, like the water and sand that you pour into the bottom of the inflatable elephant sprinkler to hold it down. It's for the kids to play in the yard. You got it at Walgreens or somewhere, like 10 bucks or 6 bucks. Those things never work. You know they never work. The plastic drugstore toys are not actually made to function well. They're too cheap to function well. Is anything made to function well? Are you made to function well? No. Your kid isn't either. It is a weird relief to be here where you can stay.
And here's the second half of my interview with C. Denby Swanson that tells the unique story of how Stay came to be. The pandemic, you've had a very specific change of scenery. We so, did. Yeah. Yes, I have a I have an eight year old son. So at the time he was seven, and we had left Austin. Um, he's a, a special needs kiddo, and we had um, decided to to evacuate, <laughs> basically right. evacuate Austin right. uh, when there was a, a peak. Um, we drove eight hours into West Texas, where my mother lives, um, in a very small town and remote West Texas where there's nothing, there's nothing out there. Town of about 5,000 people. And we were living in a tiny little 400 square foot cabin outside the town. So a few, a couple of mile or so outside of town um, in the middle of nowhere. And it had been going okay. You know, we, 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 we were um, struggling as many parents and families, kids, we're struggling and and when you called when what what that June you were you called me whenever uh, it was even I think it was I think it was late April might late have April, been uh, okay. yeah yeah I think it was late April yeah things yeah. were beginning to get a little we were my son and I uh, my son was having a real hard time with uh, yeah we did nobody knew pandemic. nobody knew nobody knew when anybody was going to be able to go back Mm-mm. I mean you you obviously you. You left Austin. You didn't, as I recall, you, you didn't know when you're. We you thought it was just going to be a month, maybe a few weeks. Right. Like we thought right. we would that, take the, the heat off, right? Take, get out sure. of the spring break, post spring break madness. That was, was going to be. Yeah, that was, that was the moment that everybody found themselves in, uh, in, in 20, this sort of slot yeah. where it was like, uh oh, it's going to yeah. take a lot longer. And, and then we were there out in West Texas for five months. Yeah, it was a much longer process than we, but it was yeah. great. It was great being near my mom, but it was, it was hard for my kid. And um, uh, we went, we wound up diving into, you know, crisis as the summer right. progressed. Um, right. And, and, and I, me that night at a, at a I caught moment. you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I caught you. I, I caught you at a, at a tough, on, on a tough evening and we, we got to chatting and and um, and so I, I recall that I um, I, I I was mentioning something to you. I was trying to, to to, be positive, and I and I I think I said something to you, um, to the effect of, well, you know, being a parent is you, you think you're getting on a plane trip to Italy, but you wind up getting off and you're you're in Poland. Yeah. Uh, something like that. And, I and, wrote that and, shit down. Excuse my friends. Right, right, right. So you wrote, yeah, not at all. No. So, so you wrote that down. So then continue. So, so mm-hmm. then continue on the, the, yeah, the I, I, it was a yeah. very fast writing. Pro- I mean, this is, you know, it's a, it's a single voice and um, I had a lot to say mm-hmm. about that. And so it really yep. struck a nerve about, um, you know, the expectations of parenting and, uh, especially parenting a special needs child um, where you do, you think, Oh, parenting is this, you know, here it is the, the, what I've prepared for. um, And then it's not, it's something else and you go with it. So, so you wrote the piece, you wrote this piece in like a a day. As I recall, you must've fired, you fired something off in about 48 hours. And then, (laughs) then 
it, it was really it's terrific and i and i got that the, i remember receiving the play very quickly after we had had this conversation and and then something now now then yeah. then a weird thing happened a weird thing well, happened which was that I sent the play to you sent the draft of it to you i was excited ah, emailed it to you off and then i went into my little cabin and um uh, i was watching a, a tv show called um counterpart Right. Um, which had a, just a couple of seasons and it had been produced obviously pre-pandemic, but it was a pandemic themed TV show, dark sci-fi noir thriller um, about the flu and uh, um, secret agents and cool. infection yep. um, in Berlin. It was great. Okay. Great, it was great COVID though. watch. Great mm-hmm. COVID watch, but also a little bit uh, too on the nose. Okay, <laughs> so there you are. You're watching Counterpart, and uh, watching Counterpart. I get to the last season, the, the last episodes of season. I'm watching that as you know, just after I sent this email to you. Yeah. Uh, and in this episode, <laughs> TV show, a character that we've met, um, we see her at home for the first time, and she has a partner, uh, husband, which we didn't know. Um, so we meet him for the first time. And she has a child, which we didn't know. And we meet sure. the child for the first time and the child has special needs. And so the, the, the husband at some point has a scene in which he turns to one of the major characters of the, of the show. And he says, um, yeah, parenting is like getting on a plane thinking you're going to Italy and you get off in Poland. Like the exact <laughs> I, line. I, the exact, the exact, like the exact line. That, oh, the exact said. line, the exact right. line. And I thought, right. holy, sh- is is Hamilton in this TV show? Like I'm right. zooming <laughs> yeah, back and I, forth, I, rewinding. Kind of like sure. where is he yeah. in this? Is he like Maybe it's a show I did. been in this yeah. show? Yeah, by coding know. dialogue and uh, and you're not in it and I was no. incredibly disappointed about that. Sure, sure. Things. But yeah. I also um I was like, oh my god, I've just I've I've plagiarized. Something plagiarized, sure. That's the immediate thing you start thinking. hadn't seen yet. You copied. You copied a line. You copied and now and now we've got this play. Now we've got this, this play. We have a play somewhere that's it's written with this line. That that clearly somebody else wrote in a TV show. Oh my god! So you, so you call so you call call me up, and I uh, fell as I fell rec- out of my chair, and I was listening to the TV show with my earbuds on, perched on this right. tiny little cabin out, in out of east nowhere, Texas. yeah, in West Texas, right? Yeah, West Texas. I, I put you in the wrong. The I deer in the and the jackrabbits yeah. and the roadrunners outside, horses. <laughs> You know, um, you're all, this is you're, happening right you're, here. You're all, you're, as, you're, you're all by yourself. You're, you're having a completely lonesome dove moment as a writer. What's that lonesome sudden, dove moment? Sure. Well, you know, you're all by yourself. You know, you're all, all alone out there, right? You're just, you know, quiet. West Texas, you know. Writing you in like, my little writing cabin in my little remote. Like, I can see the sunset outside my some, window. And- somebody else is already listening to what you, you're putting out there. <laughs> And then, and then, so you contacted me. What the you were, hell? I, yeah. Right. And I, and I, I was surprised because the, the comment, of course, that I made, I, I, I remembered from a conversation that I had had literally 14, 15 years earlier mm-hmm. with uh, a dear friend. And, uh, and I just didn't forget the conversation. He was the one who said it. 
to me because he was trying to put words to describe the experience he was having. And uh, so I thought, holy cow, holy cow. That's, that's just, I, I hadn't, I hadn't copied it from any TV show. I copied it from a conversation I had with somebody 14, 15 years earlier, which, yeah. which would seem, seem like fair advice because my friend was dealing with, with a, he was a father dealing with a, a child who had some special needs. But then I, I remember Googling it and I Googled it right away to find out. And I find out that it's a line that's in the, some 1989 essay oh that has been given out to a lot of groups. And, uh, and so I think that's the explanation. I think, oh, that's, I guess that's, that's it. And I guess my friend all those years ago, uh, must have been around 2010 or something. He was having his experience, and it, I assume that he had come in contact with this day. So a couple of days went by, and I, I picked up the phone and called called my friend because this is just one of those writer things. And uh, I said, "Hey," I told him the whole story. I said, "So we found out that you had read this essay," and. Uh, he remembered the conversation. He remembered the line, of course, because it was close to his his experience. And he said, I never read that essay. Oh. I never read any essay. I just said it. I mean, I just said it at the time. He just remembered having said the, said the line. So it's just, uh, it's just one of those, the whole story of it coming into being uh, and being traded around like that. It was such a, you know, there's this way in which we, you know, they, they say, well, there's no such thing as a new idea. And, and on the other hand, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how you copyright your work and, sure, and this, sure. but there's also, it's it just give evidence to the fact that, you know, there are, there are real ideas that actually just occur to more than one person. Right. And yeah. And I think that's the, another part of the connection piece of this, that it's, yeah. 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 It, uh, people across differences or space or at this point, decades, you know, time. Yes. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a 15, that, that, that conversation that I was referring to had, had come, had, had, it was 14, 15 years earlier. Right. Oh, so, yeah. and, and we had, and, and we found out through, through the beauty of the internet, which we wouldn't have had access to in 1989 uh but we did when we were having this conversation in 2020 that uh that some writer had actually put in an essay that we would otherwise wouldn't have read uh at any rate the same thought is now in uh your wonderful play so um uh with that in mind uh we'll uh we'll wrap it up and we'll give thanks to c denby swanson for uh keeping our ears open, even in West Texas. And, uh, and we'll get on to stay with Jane Bradley. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. And that concludes the second edition of the Drilling Company's Good Noise. Tune in in about 10 more days and we'll have number three. Thank you again so much for listening to some good noise. <laughs>